the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And um, it is uh, great to be with you. We've got a lot later on the program. We'll do a new segment called 101 Ways. That's what I call it. 101 Ways. The full title is 101 Ways to Steal an Election and What You Need to Do About It and What You Need to Do. Um, because too many people are saying, oh, yeah, yeah, election integrity, what's going to happen? I'm, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how they steal elections. There's 101 ways they do it and what you can do about it, which is important. We'll talk with John Schlafly in a few moments also. He's got a column up. He's going to try to take apart that gun uh, um, uh, bill that floated out there from the Senate, and uh, he thinks it's a bad idea. We'll hear why, but more importantly, he'll tell us the politics of it. And we'll also check in with Stefano Gennarini, who's with CFAM. Uh, and is up at the U.N. watching what's going on at the U.N. We'll get an update from him on the U.N. So a lot to cover. But uh, first, what you need to know. Today's wink is about politics and the politics uh, of this modern moment uh, of the left that has, as it relates to the January 6th Select Committee. Over the last couple of days, you've noticed that the January 6th Select Committee has sort of run out of steam. And you say, well, that's good because it looked like they were giving a one-sided propaganda presentation and they shouldn't succeed, right? That's not fair that they succeed. Well, you have to understand in politics and in especially in hardball and when I'd say this is vicious politics, you don't actually often get a home run. You don't even often get doubles if you stick with my baseball analogy. Uh, what you get is lots of singles, And while you line up and you try to take a grand slam, you line up and go prime time with your January 6th select committee and you hire an ABC producer and you edit all the uh, uh, all the video in ways to try to make it look like a a made for uh, the screen, you know, TV movie or a, a, a big film. While you do all that and you spend all that money, tax dollars, and you get ready, it, it almost never works. When you work a campaign, for example, and that's what this is, it's a political campaign. When you work on a campaign, a lot of times you say, I'm going to get a great ad and the TV ad is going to change everything. It doesn't usually work that way. Usually you get lots and lots of points along the way, lots of singles and lots of momentum going your direction. Well, the January 6th select committee is there's two things to understand. What you need to know right now is it's not a home run for the left. They thought it might be. They, they built up for a year, year and a half, and they lied about it and they spun about it and they came up with the angle that they were going to take and they thought they'd get a home run. And so they're losing. They're home run. They're not getting a home run. The problem is what you need to know. They are getting singles. They are getting singles and they're not getting singles. Maybe with you because you're listening to this. They're maybe not getting singles with um, 60% of the public, but they're getting singles with 40%. In other words, they're, they're making progress with a bunch of people to reinforce the narrative that they want. And so you have people saying to me, oh yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, Trump called for violence on the six. There's no evidence of that. In fact, he says the opposite thing in his speech. People say to me in Trump's speech on January 6th, he was, you know, agitating. What if you were at his speech, it was a very, very poor speech. When I say poor, I mean, it was not dynamic. 
It was way too long. It was really cold. And he sounded like a guy that was, uh, was, you know, was on his way out. And he, you know, there was nothing about it that was energetic. I've been to uh, Trump speeches. I've been to other speeches. I've been to rallies. I've been to political things. I've been to tea parties. But so what you need to know is, yes, the January 6th Select Committee is failing at hitting a home run or a grand slam. But they are succeeding at brainwashing and impacting a bunch of the American people. And that's their goal. Because they don't need to get 100%. You just need to keep getting a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And that is because it's such a lie. The January 6th Select Committee is such a lie because there's no real, um, there's no real adversarial discussion. That's really the most destructive thing we've seen. Even the Mueller report and the Russia hoax had obvious scrutiny and adversarial relations, adversarial uh, uh, um, sort of uh, procedures, because... It was there was at least a report in the Mueller report. There was some chance for people to get both sides in. So it is true, and I can feel it. I can tell you up in the swamp. I was up on Capitol Hill yesterday. Uh, you can feel that the January sixth Select Committee has sort of uh, failed and is flailing. And you say, "Oh, good. Well, it's going to be a disaster." I, hey, it, it may be true that it hasn't convinced a lot of the people that weren't already convinced, but it's also true that it has fortified, strengthened. The people who already believed uh, things that weren't true. And, uh, you know, again, um, we haven't seen anybody who's willing to put out the full narrative, the, all the video, all of what happened and say, oh, yeah, that person did something, broke a window, kicked in a door, pushed a cop. That's real. As opposed to some armed insurrection they talk about. There was nobody armed. There was no insurrection. It's just crazy. So uh, that's what you need to know about that. And so you can keep watching. You're going to watch. It's going to go on for more weeks. Uh, one of the things that you're going to see is you, the also what also the select committee will then refer the stuff. They won't release it all to the public because it'll be something like, oh, there's stuff in here that's uh, proprietary and for national security. We can't release it. They'll just give it to the Department of Justice and the Department of Justice will look for something else to do to continue the narrative. It's a very uh, destructive uh, thing that's going on. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with John Schlafly and then later uh, Stefano Gennarini from CFAM about what's happening up at the UN. Uh, don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Especially go there, by the way, uh, and you can click through at PhyllisSchlafly.com, but it'll kick right through for you. You'll see some of the videos of our Collegians event a few days ago. Unbelievable speakers, unbelievable discussion. And so check that all out. All right, we'll take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to talk to John Schlafly and find out what's going on with John Schlafly. This week's column, John and Andy Schlafly, the Schlafly Report, is called Pork and Injustice in the Senate Gun Control Bill. Uh, Welcome back, John. And you're against a gun control bill, but I hadn't seen till you wrote it. It's not just a gun control bill. It's got all sorts of stuff in it. Tell us. uh, Tell our listeners about this. Well, yes, the unfortunately, there is a certain type of Republican who's, you know, plagued with the sense that they have to do something even if it's not helpful to address the problem. And so the, the, uh, the Senator, or I should say the Democrats have persuaded the Republicans to join in a package that will pretend to do something about shootings. And uh, of course it would not, would, would not really have stopped the, uh, school shootings that we have seen or the other mass shootings, but it will 
impinge upon the rights of law-abiding uh, middle-class Americans to keep and bear arms. And so that's a bad situation. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. John, when you see these gun control bills, and you've watched again over a long arc of your career, and um, it, it, they they sort of pop up, and what usually happens is there's a mass shooting. Um, the media jumps on the issue uh, as the left does and says it's the guns, and they call for gun control. 97 out of 100 times the Republicans and the conservatives and others have enough stomach to just resist that push. What is it about every now and then where they say, oh, well, maybe we should do it? I, it what you allude to in your piece is that sort of, well, sometimes they maybe just don't care about the Second Amendment, Republicans now, and they're getting other stuff in the bill. But what, why does it sometimes work? What do you, I mean, what do you think about this? It's, I think it's the dynamics of the United States Senate uh, plays a big role in this. Huh. And um, once, you know, senators get there, um, they have a different mindset. And I would just point out that the 10 Republicans who have indicated that they are willing to deal with Chuck Schumer, uh, not one of those Republican senators is facing the voters this year. And uh, uh, so they're basically going to be able to get away with it is the way it looks. Um, you know, and actually only one of the 10 is even facing the voters two years from now. The other rest are it's not, they're not up until four years or they're leaving the Senate and will never face the voters again. So they're responding not to their voters, not to their constituents, but to the media and uh, who knows, the lobbyists. Anyway, they're responding to the wrong influencers. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. That's an interesting thing. I was just actually going to make a comment. Uh, Congressman, uh, excuse me, Senator, um, the Senator from Oklahoma, um, uh, Langmire, it's like, no, he's, no, Langford, Langford, Langford actually came out and said, well, I don't know. I'll have to look at it because he's facing the voters uh, like next week or two weeks from now in the in a, in a primary. So he didn't say he would sign on. But back to what you said, you said it's a dynamic of the Senate. Is that this clubby mentality? They all get there and they say, oh, let's we'll we'll work out. it. We really know lots of stuff. We'll work out a deal. And then when I say that to you and you, I think you'll agree. Then we say, except the liberals never do that. It's always the conservatives that do that. They form a gang of eight or a gang of six or a, a gang of whatever and do something more liberal than they should know to do. Well, it's a matter, uh, you know, you, this, this is sociology, and I'm not really an <laughs> expert on that as to what motivates right. people. Um, uh, but people have complex motivations. And some of these four, four of these Republicans are retiring this year, not running. And but their life is not over, uh, and they've got plans for a future career, I think. And uh, so that may be influencing their decision. Mm. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. Again, the column in the Schlafly Report runs over at townhall.com, townhall.com, our, our sister site, and also archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Uh, John, will it pass? Just because the 10 senators say they like something, um, I know if anything gets to the House, it looks like the Democrats will pass it because they're looking for some kinds of things. But it, will it get out of the Senate now? Can you tell? I already heard some grumblings that maybe the so-called framework isn't going to hold up. What's, what's your, what's your, what are you hearing? Well, I don't know if we've heard from Joe Manchin. Um, you know, he's really key to be, to be sure that all 50 Democrats can stick together. And so I don't 
know the answer to that. He's got a certainly got a large gun-toting constituency in his state of West Virginia. Um, uh, but I would just point out this this framework that they've talked about. I still we at last check, Ed, we still hadn't seen the text of it. Right. You know, it doesn't include apparently the one provision which many people have talked about, which is raising the age from 18 to 21 for long guns. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that they decided already, yeah. that was a step too far. Yeah, they've but already they've started. Got, yeah. But yeah. what they've got is a bunch of issues which uh, will cause serious damage to many, many uh, Americans. And in particular, the way that builds on the horrible Lautenberg Amendment, which was passed decades ago by a long gone Democrat, Lautenberg, which, you know, the essence of it is that uh, anyone who's been involved in a domestic situation, maybe they've only maybe a restraining order, maybe a misdemeanor, that person has now has a lifetime ban on owning a gun. And uh, so if they're found with a gun, at some point in the future, they can be sent to federal prison for 10 years. And um, sadly, thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of American men have been caught up in that. And those cases, many of them have gone to the courts to try to moderate the draconian and brutality of that law. But uh, this new framework would make that even worse. And uh, because that's one aspect that is in federal law and the courts have upheld it and so they feel like they can do something so they're doing that even though it's bad uh, we're talking with john schlafly john i just got about a minute left um you were out in washington dc this week you're at the swamp surveying the swamp um what are your thoughts on the fall election is it as red a tide as everyone is saying what's your what are you feeling well i would caution everyone of course the republicans are only w- are within three or four seats of a majority anyway. So they're not going to win 50 or 60 seats like they did in 2010 or 1994. But I think the, you know, the, the goal is to win maybe 35 to 40 seats. And then that will provide a working majority to the Republicans. Hmm. So, um, you know, we certainly hope for that. And, uh, the special election that uh, took place this week in South Texas is encouraging mm. um, where the Republican won a seat, which has never been held by a Republican before since reconstruction. And um, so, uh, but, you know, in order to really have a good night on election night, Republicans have to hold all of the close Senate races that they that are now held by retiring senators and in in purple states, in swing states, plus they have to pick up several additional Senate seats in states like Nevada and Arizona and Georgia and uh, New Hampshire and Colorado. Those are probably the five that are possible, but uh, where a Democrat can be turned out. But, you know, they have to turn that into reality by winning those uh, uh, Senate seats in order to have 
uh, have the ability to do something in the next Congress. It, um, I, I, I'll, I will slightly disagree with you, John. I think, um, I think at this point, seeing, you know, that there may be some voting irregularities, election integrity issues, um, that are around, you know, last week there was a Pennsylvania congressman I'm going to talk about in a few minutes who a former congressman pled guilty to, uh, election fraud and stealing votes. Uh, but I think it, I, right now, I think the bottom's falling out so fast on Biden that the likelihood is, I think it's probably 40, 50, 60, could even be more seats that Republicans win. I just, I, now they could pay a price in 2024 because they'll get power and they may not be different enough. They may still be swampy. Uh, but I just think the public is looking up and saying, this is this is a disaster. This president can't figure out whether he's coming or going. Uh, you know, he won on one minute. We're sending billions to uh, Zelensky in the Ukraine. Another we're being told we should buy electric cars and nothing we can do. It's Putin's gas war or whatever it is. So I think um, I think it's going to be a, a red wave. Uh, John, we're out of time. John Schlafly, everybody go over to Phyllis all of his columns are archived over there. Thank you, John. And we'll talk again next week. Uh, and I'll, I'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We've had Alex Newman on. Well, he's, you've been on wearing different hats. I mean, he's got a great book that I always refer to, Crimes of the Educators, that's here on my bookshelf. And he's a great speaker. He's been one of our lead speakers at Eagle Events. But now he's done what's unthinkable. He's, he's really, he must think so little of himself. He's decided to become a politician. No, I'll never become a politician, but he's running uh, for office. So there's exciting news. Alex Newman, you go to Alex Newman for Florida, the number four, Alex Newman for Florida, the number four.com. Um, and also, Perhaps especially, I know my folks uh, follow me on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin. Well, you can follow him at Alex Newman underscore J O U. Um, this is a guy that's worth he, what he does is what he's listening to him is valuable. So, but now he's a candidate. So, welcome, Alex. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Ed. Well, so, but all kidding aside, um, what a pain it is to be a candidate. I know I've been one, and I, I know you're a happy warrior in your life. That's kind of your MO, but. What made you get to the point where you needed to run for office? Well, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about this, Ed. And you know, part of it, believe it or not, was Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, you know, I, I knew she ran for office. And, That's and right. uh, you know, th- that was really an encouragement to me that somebody outside the system would be willing to make the sacrifice and throw their hat in the ring. And uh, frankly, I think we need a whole lot more of that in in our country right now. I mean, I, I tell people without trying to be overly dramatic that uh, our nation is in a really troubling time period. And in fact, I think there is so much at stake that if more people don't get involved, if more people don't start running for office, uh, we're going to find that uh, our liberties are going to continue to be eroded. Our prosperity will be uh, continually eroded. And, uh, you know, it is hard work. It's, it's like adding three more full-time jobs to what you're doing. Plus, you know, plus <laughs> the establishment comes after you and you get the attacks, but we've got to do it. And so I tell people, if you can't run for office, if you're not willing to do it, at least help somebody go knock on doors, go make phone calls, whatever you can. We've got to get good people into office. And I think the state level is critical right now, Ed, because Congress is the source of so many problems. 
And I think state governments really can be a source of solutions in terms of standing up to what's going on in Washington, D.C. We're talking to Alex Newman, and he is running now for the uh, uh, Florida State House. If you go to Alex Newman for Florida dot com, the four in that is a number four. So who is who's the incumbent? Well, I mean, I I mean, I'd vote for you anything you do. And you're right about Phyllis, by the way, Phyllis Schlafly. She said you you she she ran twice for Congress and lost. She would say she learned more by being a candidate. You learn how the system feels and works, although winning would be better, I think. So but tell me this race, Florida State Rep, you, there's an incumbent. Give me the contrast on the issues. What's going on? Absolutely, Ed. And you know, I, I think Phyllis was just ahead of her time. Uh, we are now in a moment where the American people are waking from their slumber. They're realizing that people like Phyllis Schlafly, who sounded the alarm for decades, for generations, were absolutely correct on all these things. Uh, so I think today, if we had a free and fair election system, she would have clobbered any opponent that she went against. Uh, and I think we're seeing that in the primaries. Uh, establishment Republicans and rhinos are being absolutely pulverized uh, in primary elections and, and liberal Democrats, too. So it's encouraging. Now, my opponent is, uh, you know, I don't have anything personal against him, but he voted wrong on some critical issues. He voted for the worst attack on gun rights in our state's history. Uh, he voted for this bill that actually struck uh, really close to home. It was a personal uh, they gave all of our hospitals in Florida immunity from liability if they would obey the CDC's crazy recommendations, but not if they did what the family, what the doctors and what the patient themselves wanted. And so when my dad ended up in the hospital with COVID, uh, we had to battle them. The only option they would give us was what the CDC said, the remdesivir, which I knew to be uh, not a good option, which our family doctor from Harvard knew to be a terrible option. And our doctor prescribed ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and all these things. The hospital wouldn't let us take it to him. They wouldn't even let us visit. Uh, and so I, I blame the legislature for that. Hmm. Um, my opponent also uh, chaired the redistricting commission that would have sent three additional Democrats to Congress. Now, fortunately, our, our governor, Ron DeSantis, vetoed that and drew some new maps that will send four Republicans uh, plus to Congress. So that's uh, very encouraging. And our state Supreme Court now has just upheld that map. So those are just a few of the issues. And all you really have to do to see the difference in the candidates is look at the campaign contributions. My campaign contributions are coming from small grassroots donors, from Republican leaders in the district. His donations are coming from the special interests, from the fake news media. Uh, Disney has been historically one of his biggest donors, Comcast, NBC, Universal, the big pharmaceutical companies. Um, and, you know, if, frankly, in, in we have a conservative district. I, I think our district deserves conservative representation. And when I tried to get a hold of him about these issues and others in the district, too, this is why the grassroots conservative and Republican leaders in our district recruited me to run. Uh, when we would try to get a hold of him to discuss these issues or to discuss our concerns, we'd never hear from him. He'd just show up at election time. So, you know, without trying to smear him in any way, although he's doing that to me right now, he's uh, him and his surrogates are just viciously attacking me. But um, without trying to smear him on a personal level, I think our, our district deserves better. And frankly, I, you know, I think we're in a, a critical moment in our nation's history. I think if, if we don't stand up now, if we don't put a stop to this stuff now, uh, we're going to be explaining to our grandchildren why we didn't do anything to save America at this critical time. And I'm not willing to do that. So uh, Alex Newman for Florida.com. You can go there, contribute to him, uh, support him, uh, check out on the issues. I did. I did smile so happily. Uh, Ron Paul uh, endorsed you, among others, lots of other people. But I 
I'm a big fan and I worked with Ron Paul when he wrote the introduction to Phyllis Schlafly's um, updated version of A Choice, Not an Echo. And he's just an amazing man. So that was very cool. Okay. Um, you, you might win. I mean, I, I, I assume that the the district leans Republicans, so you might win and have to go serve in the legislature. That might be even harder than um, almost anything you've done. Uh, what would you say, you know, your top priorities would be? Have you thought to yourself, hey, if I get there, I'm going to do this one thing um, or these two things? Well, in, in Florida, each uh, legislator is allowed to enter. Each member of the House of Representatives is allowed to introduce five new bills and unlimited repeal bills. So I'm going to be oh. introducing a flood of <laughs> repeal bills. There's I bet you so, will. That'll be. Oh, there's so much that needs to go. ahead. it's unbelievable. But as far as uh, legislation that I plan to introduce, uh, we need to protect our unborn children, uh, regardless of what the Supreme Court does. We need to stop the, the mass slaughter of unborn babies in our state. Uh, we need to protect our children from this vile indoctrination. I don't think it's enough to just protect kids up to third grade from a few of the bad things. We have got to put the control back in the hands of parents. Uh, we've got to deal with insurance. Uh, our, you know, this, this is a problem that's kind of unique to Florida, but our insurance premiums for our homes are absolutely through the roof. The vast majority of the litigation involving insurance companies is taking place in Florida, even though we're less than 10% of the population. We've got to get that under control. And uh, we need to protect medical freedom. We need to make sure that no local, state, or county government agency or, or mayor or anybody can ever do to us again what happened during COVID. Now, we were very blessed to have a governor that uh, did the right thing. But uh, at the local level, we had all kinds of problems. And people need to remember, too, DeSantis only won his election by a tiny margin. We almost ended up with a meth-smoking communist as our governor, Andrew Gillum. <laughs> yeah. So we've got to make sure that never happens again. We need protections in statute. And so those are a few of the ideas. that Those are going to be some of my top priorities. But uh, we do intend to win, and we do intend to make Florida into a fortress of freedom for future generations. We um, do you do you have and you mentioned that your opponent is attacking you. It's a good sign in the sense that if they weren't paying attention, they if they thought they could ignore you, they would ignore you. Um, but tell describe the district to me. I mean, tell our listeners. We got listeners all across the country and and Eagles. And, and, and as I often tell people, if you're in California, where a lot of our listeners are, sometimes you're in, a, in an area where you can work for your uh, for your values. But sometimes it's it's not hope. You know, it's very hopeless. And you got to find other places to give and make phone calls and give support. Tell us where in Florida you're district is and give our people a sense of the community there. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, I'm, I'm in uh, northeastern, north uh, or east central Florida, uh, just south of St. Augustine. We are, the district represents Daytona Beach, uh, Holly Hill, Ormond Beach, and some of the smaller communities around there. Uh, it is a very conservative district. In the 2020 election, it went uh, 10 points plus for Donald Trump. Uh, we expect the, the next election is going to be an even more massive landslide for Republicans. And uh, so that's very encouraging. In fact, we, we have a very conservative district. The demographic is um, pretty much you know, older, much more conservative, especially among uh, conservative primary voters, our, our GOP politics here uh, at, at the grassroots level. These people are very conservative. They do love the Constitution. They do want the state to interpose and protect the people of Florida from the out of control administration in Washington, D.C. So uh, what we're finding is that our, our campaign is really resonating with the grassroots. Uh, we've got endorsements from all the big uh, Republican clubs in the district. And um, yeah, it's true. The opponent is scared. Uh, yesterday, I got a call from Roger Stone and he said, oh, man, the reason they're attacking you is because they know that you can win and they're scared that you're going to do it. So that's a really good sign. You should be encouraged <laughs> that, by that. That is great. That's the best sign of all. And uh, well, good. Well, listen, I I, I enjoyed the chorus of uh, endorsers, uh, endorsers of Alex Newman, Alex Newman for Florida dot com. I, I would say more than anything, I agree with you on positions, but your integrity and your leadership and your fearlessness. So uh, we will make sure to uh, promote it and keep us informed. When is the primary? 
Uh, the primary in Florida will be August 23rd. Okay. So you got a couple more months. All right. Keep us in the loop. We'll have you back on again. Thanks for what you're doing. Thank you so much, Ed. Really appreciate it. God bless. All right. God bless you. We'll take a break, everyone. I'll, I'll put it all up on social media. That's a really good man who, uh, if you can help down there in any way you can, I would recommend it because he, he also, he's smart in the legislature. He would be just an amazing, uh, amazing leader. So we will uh, take a break. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. You would think that informed consent for medical procedures would not be a political football, and largely it is not. We all recognize that patients should have the right to know the possible consequences of a medical procedure before consenting to it. However, as soon as you introduce the topic of abortion, informed consent quickly becomes a polarizing issue. Abortionists would like nothing more than to hide the possible consequences of abortion from the vulnerable women they prey upon, and the abortion lobby does everything in its power to cover for these butchers. For instance, unless you live in a state with a specific law requiring informed consent for abortion, you will never hear an abortionist admit to the 44% increased risk of breast cancer after having just one induced abortion. This data comes from a peer-reviewed study from 2014 in the journal Cancer Causes Control. Another review published in the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health analyzed 23 other studies on this topic and found that 17 of them indicated an increased risk of breast cancer among women who had had an abortion. Breast cancer is not the only possible side effect from an abortion procedure. Even if the abortion goes exactly as planned, the woman or girl could suffer from a damaged cervix, a scarred uterine lining, and have an increased risk of future premature births or miscarriages. If the abortion does not go as planned, she could get infected, rupture her uterus, damage other organs, and even die. These are just a few of the physical risks. I don't even have the time to talk about the 34% increase in anxiety disorders, 37% increase in depression, and 115% increase in suicidal tendencies among women who have had an abortion. Amid all of this hard data, we need to be asking why informed consent has to be so divisive. In fact, all of this data should be making us ask the question why any society would allow abortions at all. There's nothing more pro-woman than being pro-life. We must protect the vulnerable women who are tricked into getting these dangerous procedures so Planned Parenthood can make a few bucks. End abortion and end it now. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The traditional family is the building block of our communities and country. That's why it's imperative to support strong marriages, respect fathers, and champion stay-at-home moms. At phyllisschlafly.com, we oppose the liberal attempt to redefine the family. To join us, visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And we're going to start a new segment as we wind up uh, the show each day. Obviously, um, so much going on. But I get a lot of emails and questions from people about the elections. And instead of trying to speculate about 2020, instead of trying to... um, speculate about 2022 and election integrity. We're just going to go back and look at what I call a new segment called 101 Ways to Steal an Election and What to Do About It. 
Okay, 101 ways. And we're going to just over the next couple of months, we're just going to talk about the historical record. It, it includes all the way back in time to the founding of the republic that there have been people who tried to steal elections. 101 ways to steal elections. Number one, today, our opening segment is U.S. congressman. A U.S. congressman has pled guilty in the last two weeks. Pled guilty. Congressman Michael Myers, he's a former congressman of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He pled guilty to (laughs) election fraud. And when you read the facts, this is what he pled guilty to. Here's something you need to know. What you need to know about, uh, you know, 101 ways to steal an election. What you need to know is that when people plead guilty to something, they've usually done a lot more than what they plead guilty to. They make a deal. So this this congressman. Congressman Michael Myers of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, he pled guilty to conspiracy to to deprive voters of civil rights. He pled guilty to bribery. He pled guilty to obstruction of justice. He pled guilty to falsification of voting records. And he pled guilty to conspiring to illegally vote in a federal election. Congressman Myers admitted in court that he bribed the judge of elections in one of the wards in Philadelphia for years and that they added votes, illegally added votes for certain candidates to help bump it up. And there were cash payments ranging between $300 to $5,000 per election. Now, what's the point of this? Well, the point is this is June 6th of 2022 when the congressman admitted committing election fraud. And this is what he admitted, and he admitted it's for the 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, and 2018 Pennsylvania elections. Now, it's possible that Congressman Michael Myers only started doing election fraud. He's in his uh, 70s. Maybe he only started doing election fraud a decade ago in 2014, eight years ago. And maybe he stopped after the 2018 election. Possible. But the point here is, What is the conduct that he did? And while I think that there are bad apples in the world, you know, there are some people that are really just rotten apples in the world out there. I tend to think that people are very similar across different uh, states and cities and all the rest. We all have our foibles. We all have our sins. We all have our problems. So very specifically, do we think Congressman Michael Myers only cheated in 2014, 15, 16, 17, and 18? And do we think he's the only one? Because if you can influence an election, and at the level we're talking about, what's, 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 what he pled guilty to was in a certain ward in a city. And if you know big city elections, and I do from the, the city of uh, St. Louis Board of Elections when I ran it a few years ago, you know, you get, a, you get an election down in a ward for an alderman position or for the sheriff of a city or for some, it can come down to a, a couple of votes. So if you can throw 100 extra votes into the system, you can maybe swing an election. And if you swing an election in a city like Philadelphia and you get a new uh, uh, alderman or you get the preferred person for a citywide office, what comes with it? Why is it important? The reason why it's important is because that person has power and they have jobs and power and jobs and influence and all the rest. 
And what has happened as government has grown bigger in our cities, especially there was there was a book years ago, the Walmart effect that wrote about uh, the, the impact of Walmart on on the commerce and all. It's kind of out of date out of date now because of Amazon. But one of the chapters was uh, talking, as I recall it, about the, the, the city mayors, big city mayors who went about um, uh, 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 trying to. Uh, hold power, but they, their budgets were too tight in the late 60s and early 70s. And so they couldn't increase salaries. They couldn't even add jobs. What they could do was promise better retirement. And so they, they, they put money, they promised pensions out into the future, knowing that they wouldn't be in office, you know, 20 years when it came due. So there's lots of ways that the big cities, any city, any jurisdiction, let me be clear. It, it doesn't have to be Philadelphia. It doesn't have to be St. Louis, which I know so well. But if you're running for state rep in, in uh, Kansas City area, a state rep race a few years ago was decided by two votes, one vote. And it turns out one of the votes was fraudulent. Actually, it's, it was decided by one vote. It turns out two of the votes were fraudulent because one of the candidates uh, relatives voted where they shouldn't have voted. But even if that was mistaken, by the way, we'll come to that another day. Mistaken voting, you know, voting in the wrong place because you're registered in the wrong place. You don't know it. That's different than today's number one of 101 ways to steal elections, and that is bribery to add votes, bribery to change the vote count. That's what we have Congressman Michael Myers pleading guilty to. So, as I've said before, the system of, of, um, of government, of the system of elections requires two things. One is to run a good election. And the second is to have people have confidence in the election. So you have to run it well. It's a systems problem. You have to run it well. It has to be secure. It has to be, uh, you know, all the kinks have been worked out. You have to make sure that there are really aren't avenues for theft and all that. The second thing is people have to see that enough that they trust in it, that they don't doubt it. We have a problem with both, it looks like, at least in Philadelphia. As to number one, what can you do about a system of elections in Philadelphia where the congressman, a congressman, Michael Myers, former congressman, is paying money to pad the, to, to, to corrupt the system. Well, one, we need more convictions. We need it to be a higher cost to have this happen. There needs to be a higher cost to have this happen. So you say 101 ways to steal an election. Number one so far is bribery to change the votes, to add votes. So this is, this is and this is going to be specific. This is changing votes in the polling place by adding votes, bribing the personnel, paying the personnel, blackmailing the personnel. All these things are possible so that those people will add votes to the election, add votes to the count, but but actually add votes. This isn't counting back in the back room. When you start counting, you add votes, but this is actually adding votes, you know, padding votes. And so we need more convictions and we need more scrutiny of the polling places. One of the problems with early voting, one of the problems with the proliferation of polling places is you end up with dozens, sometimes hundreds of locations, and you have to try to staff them with people who understand the systems and keep keep an eye on it. Why couldn't we have a running camera streamed video watching everybody in those places? Be harder to cheat. It'd be harder to cheat. It's like, um, you know, people get nervous. They say privacy and all that. You can you can black out faces. You can make sure that they're not taking any uh, shots of the uh, of the um, um, of the actual voting when people are filling out their their uh, the names they want. But nothing changes behavior like the fact 
that people know someone's watching. And one of the reasons why we saw, I think it was in Philadelphia too, that they, they put the poll watchers a hundred yards away. It's harder to see when you're looking a hundred yards away, but if you're running a camera in all these places and, and having the, you could have, you could crowdsource the scrutiny. You could have people watching all over the country. And if you're not cheating, you don't care. That's what I tell my kids. God is always watching you. So you have to be honorable. He sees it. And I tell my kids, I can't watch you all the time. I wish I could. But I will tell you that we, one of the things we did when we were younger, right, is we got the, the technology grew that we would have a, a, one of those cameras in our, our youngest daughter's room so you could watch her at night, not just hear her if she cried out. Whether you think that's good or bad for your kids, what I know it's good for is paying attention to elections, paying attention to elections. And so if one of the 101 ways to steal an election is to have a former congressman bribe one of the people in charge of a polling place to add votes, what you can do about it, if the 101 ways to steal an election, what what can do about it, what you can do about it is you can arrest them, but you also set up a system that sees it, sees it better. Lots of ways to do that. We'll talk more about that going forward. All right, that's a new segment, 101 ways to steal an election and what you can do about it. Not talking about 2020, by the way, so that the social media people don't shut me down. All right, that's all I've got. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our producer, and Joanna Spilgar, our associate producer. It's Ed Martin. Go to ProAmericaReport.com to see more, to listen more. I'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.